Welcome everyone to the Elevating Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Gaines, and we're here to enlighten middle school and high school student athletes about the reality of college sports. We have a very, very special guest here with us today. Um, she attended Edison High School in California, where she played softball and varsity for four years. She was named to the all-conference team twice in all-state once. Um, she was involved in FCA and show choir, which I did not know. We might have to talk about that a little bit more. I did not know <laughs> the two were part of choir. Um, she received the Pillar of Character Award, the Character of Coalition Award, and she was a um, Scholar Athlete Award recipient. So she's a great ambassador on and off the field. Um, she went off to Notre Dame to play softball. Um, she appeared in over 139 games and played catcher in the outfield. Um, in her sophomore year, she batted um, 3,400? Is that how you say it? Is, it? is that close enough? 340. Yeah, 340. Yeah. Yeah, Thank say, you. I was like, that's good. That was <laughs> good. Yeah. I was like, man, 3,400. <laughs> I'm killing it. <laughs> You're going to have to help me with the terminology. Uh, but going on, yes, 340, sorry. In her junior year, she had, uh, she had 21 hits. Um, the most impressive thing in college also was her off-field accomplishments, where she was a three-time ACC Academic Honor Roll member. Um, she was named a Notre Dame Communion Champion. Um, she was an FC, NFCA Division I Scholar Athlete and President of Notre Dame Christian Athletes. Oh, she's just great. Um, she graduated from Notre Dame with her degree in sociology and theology with a minor in African studies. And then she came to SMU where we met um, and got her master's degree um, in higher education and policy and leadership. So this great, great bio that we have is none other than Casey Africano. Um, she helped me through my master's program personally, so I'm very, very excited for y'all to hear about her story. Welcome, Casey, to the Elevating Your Potential podcast. Thanks, Jeremiah. Super stoked to be here with you and talk a little bit about sports and life and how we can, you know, make people the best that they can be. I'm excited. For sure. For sure. Great. Thank you. So the first question I ask everyone is who is the best softball player that you've ever played against and why? <clears throat> who um softball player I've ever played against I think I actually got to play with the best softball player that I know period mm -hmm. um her name is Lauren Chamberlain and she played for the University of Oklahoma um so I got to play with her a little bit um but she again went on to play at University of Oklahoma so we ended up I guess um, we played them my freshman year, but I ended up being sick the whole weekend. Oh, wow. So I didn't actually get to play against her in mm -hmm. college, but um, I still consider her like the best player that I've ever watched play. Um, she's super fun to watch. She's a great person. So I, I think I'd say Lauren Chamberlain. So shout out to Lo if she ever hears this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming Lo was pretty good. Um, so she, I'm I'm Amazing. not very well-versed in softball, as you all can tell from the bio. So what makes someone a good softball player? Um, it depends on who you ask, honestly. I mean, softball is one of those games where you have to have people who are skilled in a number of ways, right? So um, there are nine players on the field at a time, and everyone has to know their job, and everyone has to know their role and be able to do it well. So um, I would say as far as the core basics go for softball, you have to be a team player for sure. Um, one person is not able to win a game on their own. So making sure that you are a team player and that you are contributing to the overall success of the team. Mm -hmm. 
I think you have to be willing to accept failure. You fail 30% or you fail 70% of the time. You only feel, you only succeed uh, 30% of the time. So you have to be willing to, you know, take the losses and learn from them and grow from them. And if you're not someone who bounces back quickly, then softball or baseball is, are not the sports for right. you. Um, so you have to definitely be able to bounce back quickly. Um, and in the moment as well, right? You have to be present and you have to be someone who's ready for the next play, you know, right one after the other. Every pitch is a play. It's not, um, it's not really like other sports where you have a timeout and you get to think through things and establish things. It's, you know, quick thinking and it's right off the bat and literally right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm I like so the pun. I'm so funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think those are the really the core things to make a good softball player. And then of course, you have to be gritty being someone who's willing to get literally get dirty and um, work their butt off for uh, your team. So I was someone who was definitely uh, focusing on me as a team player. That was kind of my biggest thing. So, and I'm sure you'll ask more about that later, but that's, that's what I really identified with. Yeah. You gave some good nuggets already. I see we're starting out. We're starting out hot. I love it. I love oh, thanks. it. <laughs> so let's get into your personal journey a little bit. How were you introduced to sports? Oh man, I have always been involved in something. I think, honestly, my mom was a synchronized swimmer, a world mm. champion synchronized swimmer. Wow. Um, my dad was a surfer and a swimmer as well. And so um, it had always been just like outdoorsy things, right? And I'm from California, so the beach was a huge part of our life. Um, but when I turned like four or five, I had a best friend in kindergarten who was signing up to play softball. And my mom tells the story way better, but she was like, you begged me for about three weeks as a like five or six year old um, to play softball. And I was like, softball, <laughs> I'm not putting her into softball. That's not happening. Right. Um, but she gave in and, you know, here we are, I guess it's more years now, but I played for 17 years and mm -hmm. it really was just what made the most sense for me. And it was something that I loved and um, enjoyed immensely. And uh, we were, are a very active family. So like my family has always been doing something and my parents had always made it a point to make sure that we were trying new things. And mm -hmm. I tried basketball, I tried soccer, I tried volleyball, I tried skating, like I tried everything that I could possibly try. Um, I was a dancer as well. Like I was in dance for a while. So, um, I think I was just able to find a rhythm with softball and, um, it made the most sense for me and I fell in love with it. And yeah. Here we are. So I would say my parents introduced me, but right. um, I kind of took it from there after the initial like sign up was made. Yeah, I, I completely agree. My uh, my dad did the same thing for me. I tried like five different sports when I was four. I tried baseball. I was pretty terrible. Um, so that, that didn't it's last not for everyone. Long, right? It's not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, Don't it, it didn't last it. very long. So um, I definitely um, understand your parents putting you in different activities and going from there. I mean, when you're so little, you have to be able to try new things, right? Like it's, I think we start to get, and again, I don't know if you'll cover this, but getting into when people are playing one sport at, you know, 10 years old, it kind of, to me, it's a little bit of a struggle because you feel trapped in this sport um, that you feel like you have to stick with or have to stay with. So I'm a huge advocate for people trying as many things as they can for as long as they can. Um, and again, I realize we live in a different world, which I think that the conversations that you're having right now, Jeremiah, with your students and with your future students um, are really important because we live in a world where it's so focused on, all right, you have to be dedicated to this sport, this team, this person, this thing. Um, and it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Like I was, I didn't decide to play travel softball until I was 14 or 15. And by then I was, 
you know, an eighth grader moving into high school and I, I still got to play the game for fun. So um, I think that's, you know, another thing that you might bring up later is just the sport for the sport versus the sport for a, uh, an end goal. Right. Um, so, yeah. Actually, going to that a little bit. So, what did? Yeah. How did it feel to be able to play your sport just because you love the sport and it wasn't a lot of politics, it wasn't a lot of pressure mm -hmm. involved? Yeah. So, I was a really, 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 really lucky um, student athlete. I had parents who said, "This is on you. If you want to play, you can play. If you want to not play, we're not going to push you into playing." Um, which I think was the biggest gift that they could have ever given me because I didn't feel like I, ha I was playing for someone else. I was playing for myself. Mm -hmm. I was making the choice every single day to play the game because I wanted to. And I think that's what carried me through my college years because it was never something that I felt like I couldn't give up. Um, you know, my, my parents, again, were so great in supporting me and what I wanted, but I honestly, and again, my dad tells this story all the time. He said, you know, when I went through a phase where I didn't want to play softball and he was like, awesome weekends back, no more traveling <laughs> to the desert, no more games that are right. lasting like forever long. So he was like, look, if this is what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. But mm -hmm. it's your choice. It's not our choice. And, you know, as someone who was, I think at the time I was probably 14, 15. Um, I think I was actually a freshman in, in high school. Um, that was big. Cause I had a lot of my teammates who were saying, oh, my parents are making me play this or my parents are making me do this. And I was like, wow, I, I get to choose. And I genuinely believed that had I gone either direction, obviously I decided to play, but had I not played, I think that my parents would have supported me either way. Um, but I don't think that a lot of young kids are offered that opportunity nowadays just because college is so competitive and you need to be on point from age 11 or 10 right. um you know and it's different with every sport so for softball and baseball kids are starting to be looked at in you know eighth grade right which like seventh wild. grade That's which wild. is wild i mean like yeah. you and i are really close in age so think about yourself as a 11 year old and trying mm -hmm. to decide what college you want to go to like that to me that sounds immensely like that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself as an 11 year old and i didn't know i was um, 17 well, well, right, right. Like I was still a sophomore and junior in college in high school, and I was just like, "Oh, I could go to college with a sport. That's cool." Right. I didn't really know that. Um. So I think you and I are products of a time when we still could choose, and it still was an option for us to, um, you know, maybe not play in college if we didn't want to. Um. I think financially, that's a whole other layer, right? Like I was not someone who was going to be able to pay for college out of pocket and just go wherever I wanted, right? So once I learned that I could financially support my own journey in that I, I was able to kind of find that new motivation to play and play harder and play longer. Um, but again, by the time I was being looked at for colleges, I was, I was still playing just to play and have fun. It wasn't because I felt like I needed to have this. Um, I didn't, I needed to get a scholarship. I needed to do X, Y, Z. Like it was my own internal motivation just to play and to have fun and see where I could end up. Um, and, you know, luckily there were a couple of colleges who were really interested in me and Notre Dame came knocking at one point and, mm -hmm. um, I was just ecstatic and I didn't get to take 15 different visits to different universities. Right. You know, it was my family, my mom and I took one trip and it was to the middle, middle East, oh, the Midwest, <laughs> <laughs> it was to the Midwest. So I went and saw Northwestern and Notre Dame and, 
Um, you know, I walked on Notre Dame's campus and it was, it felt right. I'm a very much a gut check person and you kind of have to be in softball. Um, and I guess in sports in general, but for me, I think I really rely on my gut instincts and that was just where I need to be. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a lot of pressure that kids are facing now. And I think for your listeners and for your parents, um, the biggest gift that I ever got was my parents supporting me no matter what I wanted to do. And um, we're asking kids to grow up really fast. And I think now, and I'm, I hope that parents as they grow and try and mature, not mature their children, but encourage their children to find their own way that they offer that option because you love your parents. You want, you want to do the best you can for them and you want to make them proud. And um, I was lucky to know that if I did choose to not play that I was still going to make them proud. And I think that was a huge, a huge game changer for me. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I love how in depth you hit on a lot of different points that we're going to hit. I'm a little wordy, so you just cut me off whenever. (laughs) You're you're great. You're great. Um, And so I guess the next question, let's take a step back for a second. What would you tell that student athlete who feels like they're trapped, who might feel as though their parents or someone in their family is kind of looking at them as the cash cow or the next best thing or pushing them to be great? What what kind of advice would you give that student athlete uh, specifically? I think that it's really important to find joy in your sport again. If it's, if you feel, um, someone told me in college, I was having a really hard time with softball. I didn't want to play. I was over it. I was, I didn't, I wasn't having fun. I wasn't feeling good about it. I hated going to practice. I hated going, um, to games. And again, that was more my own experience versus like an external force. It was just, Mm -hmm. I was tired. I was injured. I was just having a really hard time. And so, um, and there were a lot of personal things going on in college that were kind of like just coming down on me. And so um, someone had told me, okay, close your eyes, envision you as a five-year-old or as a, whenever you started your sport, Um, you know, why did you do it? What would you say to that little six-year-old, that little five-year-old, or what would you want that five-year-old to tell you? Would you want them to say, you know, if I was talking to myself as a five-year-old and, you know, looking at me as a 25-year-old, <laughs> um, you know, I would want that little girl to say, oh my gosh, like today I got to slide in the dirt and I got to, you know, throw this ball all the way across the field or I got to tag this runner out or I got to hit the ball so far. I felt so strong. Um, so like finding that little kid inside that just fell in love with the game. And that can be for anyone that can be for a basketball player that can be for a tennis player that can be for um someone who maybe plays multiple sports right so what what i would encourage is to really dig down inside and find what brings you joy and you know what jeremiah like in all honesty it might not be something with the sport right so it might not be you might be a football player who is super done with like just getting bashed every day right I can definitely see that as someone who watches and well, works that, with that college students. That was yes, me. Right? I, was, like, I was one of those. I was one of those players for sure. Right, and I, I just, I can only imagine how frustrating that would be to constantly have to put your body through so much. Um, so I guess that also brings me into an I like the idea of advocating for yourself. If you're really having a hard time, mm-hmm. making sure that you're taking care of your brain, taking care of your body in a way that's going to move you forward and move you through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being open with the people around you. If you need help, ask for it. If you need support, ask for it. If you need a break, ask for it. Um, I just, I think, again, we live in a world where 
we're going, 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 pushing, 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 pushing. And then you end up graduating from college with an ACL injury, a, sh a shoulder injury, a brain injury, right? Um, and I think I'm a huge advocate of counseling. And I wish I, I went through all through college, all through grad school. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had started earlier just because I think that my mentality going into my sport would have been so much different earlier on had I been given the tools to address the stress and the pressure that you get from being a student athlete. Mm -hmm. um, because physically that's a decision on like, that's on you, right? No one's going right. <laughs> to, no one's going to tell you like, you need to take a break. Like mm -hmm. it's time to take a break. Um, if you're lucky, you have those people who are in your life and who say, okay, it's time to not play on this injured ankle. It's time to ice your shoulder. It's time to do this. But I think learning those lessons of how to advocate for yourself early on is huge, especially when you're not finding joy in your sport. Mm -hmm. um, there has to be another way for you to feel at peace. And if it isn't on the field or on the court or in the pool or wherever you practice, um, then you need to find it internally. Um, so just making sure that you're focusing on how you can care for yourself and how you can use your voice to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Um, learning that sooner rather than later would have been a, a huge benefit to me. And, and again, a message to the parents who are listening in, just allow your child to make that decision for themselves, you know, and allow them to be a child for as long as they can. If it is something that they truly feel is not for them, then let it not be for them. Um, but again, most, most athletes are going to realize, all right, grinding time, time, right. time to buckle down and right. make it happen but in a healthy way, right? In a healthy way that you feel like you can su supplement maybe that, that pain or that struggle mm -hmm. with something that does bring you joy. So mm -hmm. if it's hitting extra balls after practice because you just need to feel good with a ball off the bat or mm -hmm. um, you know, tossing the ball around for fun with your friends if you are a football player or a, you know, insert whatever sport you want to there, um, but just doing things that make you fall in the love of the game again, but advocating for yourself in the same way. So that's what mm -hmm. I would suggest. That's amazing. I, I want to stay here for one for a little bit longer. Yeah. I think this is such an important conversation. So can you give some tangible steps to self-advocating for yourself? Because if we can tell a student athlete, let us know this. But it's intimidating to go talk to a coach or sure. to a parent. For sure. Um, so what are some tangible steps you can give or some uh, tips that you can give a student athlete who's currently going through that? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, because – and your audience right now is like middle school and high school. Middle school, high school. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 12, 12 to 18, that's a huge age range. Right. Your 12 year old is not going to need the same thing as your 18 year old. Mm -hmm. um, I think that starting at the very basic level, um, you as a student talking to students right now, you as a student need to be able to find what calms you down, what gives you peace. Um, for my student athletes that I worked with at TCU, it was a lot of the times talking to them about something other than their sport, right? Uh, I have some student athletes who are great artists. Hey, show me your most recent drawing. I would love to see it. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, you, you want to see what I can draw? Yeah, let me show you what I can draw. And then you see that spark again in their, in their eyes, right? It's no longer this robotic movement of wake up, eat, practice, school, practice, extra stuff eat, sleep. Like it's, oh, right. I'm a human outside of who I am as a student athlete. I forgot about that. Um, so as a professional, I'm someone who really is intentional with building those relationships outside of what they're doing on the, on the field or on the court. Of course, I will be the ones, 
I was at probably more games than I needed to be at, but like <laughs> I did a, I was very intentional with being at games and making sure that they knew I was going to be there to support them. But I also was at, if they would tell me free, more frequently, but I would have been at an art show if that was something that they wanted me to be at or a performance or, Oh, you play guitar. I would love to hear you play, like bring it into my office. Let's, let's hear you. Let's hear you jam. Um, so finding things for you students who are going, growing through your like sports journey right now, remember that you're not just a student athlete. You're not just someone who is born to perform on the field. Yes, that is great. It is an awesome skill to have. I'm totally here for it. Um, and you know, most colleges are going to be as well, but moving in through, moving through your education, take value in those classes that you get to take that are fun. Like art. If you're into art, take an art class. If you want to take wood shop, take a wood class. If you want to um, do cooking or baking, do that, right? Like find those things that are going to support your overall wellness and your overall, um, like feeling of, of is you need to find something that's going to bring you joy outside of your sport. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just coloring. Like if you like to color, just take like 30 minutes out of your day and color. Right. Um, if it's meditating, which more, all the power to y'all, if you are meditators, but it's a really difficult thing to do. But it if is. that's something that brings you like peace and calm and allows you to move forward in your sport with vigor and excitement and power, then do that. Um, but each person is going to be different. Your teammate might find joy in running extra. That might not be you, right? Mm -hmm. So finding what's good for you in the moment and at the time that you need it and setting aside time during your day to address it and to say like, okay, my mental health, how am I, how am I checking in with myself? How am I addressing what I need? Um, how am I having communicate, like how am I conversing with people in my life to make sure that they're supporting those efforts as well? Um, and sometimes again, talking to the parents specifically, your parent might need to say, hey, so-and-so, did you take some time for yourself today? Like, did you um, do some stretching? Did you, not even, okay, maybe not stretching. In that, in that <laughs> sense, I mean, like, yoga. Right. Like, have you done some yoga, like, to mm -hmm. bring yourself some peace? Have you, um, you know, colored today? Have you journaled? Have you read a book that's not for school? Um, I think those are really important tools to bring with you into college because college hits you like a ton of bricks. and you have to learn how to advocate for yourself in your day because every moment is planned for you. And mm -hmm. in, you asked me about addressing coaches and addressing professionals. Um, I think you really need to find those people that you trust, find the people that are going to advocate for you in that way. Um, for me, it was my academic, academic advisor in college. She was someone who knew my time demands, but also knew me as a person. So developing that relationship with her where I could say, Amanda, I am, I am drowning. I am struggling. And she could say, okay, have you, have you journaled today? Did you reflect on anything? Well, no. All right. When was the last time you journaled? I don't even know because you get caught up in this, mm -hmm. in this rhythm, in this, like basically this <laughs> tornado that just happens. Right. right? Um, so you have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to step out of the tornado for a second and recognize what I need in this moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I think by doing that, you'll be able mm -hmm. to, find a healthy balance and a healthy way to address the stresses that do come with being um, an elite athlete at any age, at any age, it can be, you could be 12 years old and you can be 18, you could be 20. Um, and you can still, still feel the same pressures mm -hmm. no matter what age of life you're in. Um, it obviously changes, but I think we mature, right? So the pressure, as the pressure grows, we are also able to handle it a little better as mm -hmm. we get older. So 
the earlier you can learn some just really simple things that you know in your mind are going to help you, the better off you'll be down the road. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think that this is a conversation that's not had enough um, because it's always you go, 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 go. You just get used to working out. Um, right. One of my teammates told me that you just get used to working out tired. You, you wake up tired in the morning, you go sleep tired. It's just mm-hmm. monotonous. You just go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And so I think this needs to be um, said a lot more in yeah. athletes. And I think as for you as a, and talking to your male student athletes specifically, I think there's a lot of pressure on y'all to not acknowledge weak, quote unquote, I, I refuse to say weakness because choosing to advocate for yourself does not mean you're weak. Choosing right. to take some time to journal is not, I think there's a really, um, heavy emphasis on like it being a feminine thing Mm. and I'm calling it out it is not a feminine (laughs) thing (laughs) like it is not like reflecting and and addressing your own needs is not something that is only for women to do um and you know what if you want to go get your nails done because you need a massage on your feet that is not a sports massage because let's be real y'all sports massages are not relaxing in no, any way shape, or form. <laughs> so if you want to go get a pedicure go get a pedicure i think there's too much pressure on student athletes and especially on male student athletes to have it all together to always be strong to always be on it to always be you know structured and working as hard as you can i think it's really difficult when we live in this culture where you guys feel this pressure to be perfect and strong and show no weakness all the time. Like mm-hmm. you're human beings. I'm a human being. And like, I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. So I think to your young male listeners, like making sure that you are learning those things early, because once you get to me as someone who's in college, I have very little patience for my student athletes who come in and, and say, I'm exhausted. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're going to be exhausted. It's how it is. But what are you doing to fix it? Mm. Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, did you sleep last night? No. What did you do last night? Oh, I played video games until 5am. Okay. So no wonder you're tired. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Well, do you feel feel like you're willing to not play video games till 5am? What about until (laughs) 11pm? 10pm? Because if video games are your way that you relieve stress, that's fine. I have no issue with that. What I have issues with is people who are not actively fixing what they can control, mm-hmm. right? I can't help you that you're tired because of workouts. That's just a part of being a student athlete. Right. What I can offer you is space and time and suggestions to help you address the things that you can control. Yeah. Um, the sleep schedule, the, um, the planning thing. You didn't submit for the last four assignments. Hey, you're not like you're done that's not acceptable anymore so how are we planning our day how are we um supporting ourselves in that growth um because in the things that we can't control because again you and i both understand you're going to be tired it's going to be mm-hmm. that there's nothing that you can do about that because mm-hmm. they're working you harder than you've ever been working yep. in your life but how are you how are you addressing ways that you can make it better mm-hmm. right are you eating the right things are you um, reflecting? Are you taking a nap when you need it? Are you, you know, insert whatever thing that supports you in your growth and in your development. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would, yeah, it's kind of. That's just, no, that's perfect. I don't know that's if that perfect. makes sense, but that's there you go. That's <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. But we do want to hear more about Casey Africano. Um, so all the way through high school and college, mm-hmm. really, you were 
I'm going to say you were a stellar student. And so what was your mindset um, with, within academics? Like what, what you know, was that Jeremiah, I, I appreciate that you think that I was a stellar student because I, yes, I'm, I'm smart. I will say that I'm smart, but okay. I worked my butt off to be smart. Like I am not someone that school came easily to. Um, fun fact about me, I took the SAT and the ACT a combined eight times. Wow. So, wow. But that's big, for, that's this, big for someone to hear that. That is huge. Y'all, y'all, I am not a test taker. I am not a standardized, I'm not a standard person, right? So I think the standardized tests are, I'm not going to go on the tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Based on standardized tests, but I will say standardized tests were built for a very specific population of people. Mm-hmm. I am someone who actually comes from that population of people. Does that mean that I'm going to succeed in the best way that I can every single time? Absolutely not. It's hard. Those tests are hard. So for those of you who struggle taking tests, who struggle to study, who struggle with certain subjects, just know that you're not alone in struggling with those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me academically, yeah, I struggled in school my whole, my whole life. Mm. Um, I worked really hard to, to get to a point where I felt comfortable in certain subjects. Um, I was that person taking, maybe not recess, like in elementary school, but mm-hmm. I was in my teacher's classrooms past the point that I needed to be in there just to make sure that I understood the content, specifically in math. I am not a math person. I can write you in circles. I'll write essays for days, but you give me a sheet of math problems and I want to physically throw up. Like, I'm not. <laughs> right. I am not a bad person. Um, so academically, I I made it a point to make relationships with my teachers. Mm-hmm. And I took that perspective and that effort into college with me. And let me tell y'all, it paid off tenfold. If you show an interest and an effort in the things that you're doing, no matter how difficult it is for you, your professors are going to be a million times more supportive of you. Um, especially as a student athlete, you need a teacher who's going to say, I can meet with you at 7 PM because you're not done with practice until six. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you need those people in your life who are able to give you the, the flexibility that you need. However, you also need to be the person that takes that initiative to build those relationships. That means you're showing up on time to class every day. That means you're sitting in the front row. That means you're participating and engaging and asking questions. It means doing your homework. It means being engaged when you need to be engaged. Um, I, that's the first thing. If students come to me and they say, I'm having trouble in this class, I ask, have you talked to the professor? And if the answer is no, I will not talk to you anymore. I'll say, okay, it's time to go talk to mm-hmm. professor or whatever. Um, because you can't, I mean, that's the only way that you're, you as a student athlete are going to be able to get the support that you need. Um, the professor is going to be the person to advocate for you and teacher as well. This is for high school students, um, for you sixth and seventh and eighth graders. Um, it's still important, right? You, you can still show up. I don't know. Let's say in middle school, you have like a five minute class change period. So you're getting to your class when you need to be, you're not showing up right when the bell rings, you're getting your stuff out of your locker. You're going to class because school is focus time. Um, you can focus on your sports. You can focus on your friends later. Um, and that's not to say you can't have fun when you're in school, but um, I think that it's really important for you to develop the relationships with your teachers that are going to be able to help you and support you moving forward academically. 
um, because those are also the people who are submitting your grades to colleges. Those are also the mm -hmm. people that you're going to end up asking for reference letters from or who colleges are going to be or jobs one day for you people who, for you high schoolers who are graduating um, and moving into college and potentially looking for a job in the next couple of years. Um, those are the people that your kids are going to, or that you're, um, those are the people that they're going to call. Uh, and it's really important for you to build those relationships. So yeah, academically, I struggled. I mean, I, it took me a long time to get to a point where I was confident in my brain and confident in my abilities. And I was lucky enough to have professors and teachers who invested time in me and, mm -hmm. I 100% recognize that that's not for that's not everyone's case, and um, I think that it's really important to find someone who you feel comfortable being vulnerable with academically, because it, it school has that way of making you feel stupid, right? Like let's be real. Yeah, it does. There are multiple there are multiple scenarios where, and honestly, some people might have told that person that they're stupid. It makes me sad when I have my student athletes in college and no one has ever told them you're smart you're capable you're able to do these classes that you're in um it takes work right like just because you're a student athlete does not mean that you get to slack off or you get to not invest yourself um sometimes it means you have to do more because they sometimes think it means you have to do more absolutely absolutely um and honestly student athletes are the only ones who understand that you're going to have people who are saying oh you get everything handed to you I work my butt off for it, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I am at practice from, you know, I wake up at 6 a.m., I go to workouts, I come to class, like I maybe get to eat, I go to class every day, I go to practice again until 6 p.m., and then I have to do all my homework that night um, versus the people who are like, oh, I have two classes today and then I have free time all day. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. you're not the same kind of person. So you almost need to make more of an effort with your professors and more of an effort with your teachers to say, hi, Mr. Smith or Miss Smith. I, um, you know, I play baseball and I want you to know that I'm gonna do everything in my power to be the best student in your class. Um, but I do wanna make that clear to you so that if something were to go awry or if I'm traveling one weekend and I don't turn something in or if I ask for an extension, y'all, they're going to be so much more willing to support you in that if you need help. If you're saying, I, I care about this, right? And you're not just disregarding things that they need from you. Um, it's really important to build that relationship right from the start. But you also have to follow through. You can't expect mm -hmm. them to give you some slack and give you some leeway if you're not going to show up and do the work. It's just like in practice, right? If you don't show up to practice, if you don't do the things that your coach is asking you to do, you can't expect to just play on Saturday or play on Sunday. Like it's, it requires some work. It requires some sacrifice, but it is possible. And I'm a firm believer that the relationships that you build are going to be your saving grace for sure. Yeah. These are great nuggets, everyone. I hope y'all are listening. These are some great nuggets. Um, so you, you talked about it earlier. You said that you only took two visits to Northwestern and mm -hmm. to Notre Dame. Were those yes. the only scholarships that you were um, offered? coming out of So I, I got a couple. <laughs> um, so the way that college recruiting kind of works in softball, okay. they start looking at you probably, it's different now, but when I was playing, um, eighth grade is like considered early. If you're looking at someone in eighth grade, that's, you're like really looking mm -hmm. for someone. So I probably really started looking into colleges and thinking about playing in college when I was, you know, 15, like 14 or 15. Um, maybe 13. I always wanted to, so like Cal Poly San Luis Obispo was my dream school. I was really into Cal Poly. So 
once you hit 13 ish, you start to send emails to colleges. So, um, they can't respond usually because you're not of, of age yet. Basically mm -hmm. NCAA compliance means that you can't talk to a certain, um, prospective student until a certain age. So I was not of age yet, but I was able to communicate with them directly. So I could say, hello, Cal Poly head coach, whoever, um, I will be playing in this park at this time, this day, field, whatever. Um, I would really appreciate if you were able to stop by. I understand if not, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Mm -hmm. So I sent probably 10 emails a weekend. Wow. Um, and I, you know what? My mom made me do, actually, I made it a point to do it myself. Mm -hmm. None of my communication ever came from my parents. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, being in college athletics now, I have a couple of, I've, I have coaches in my world now. Mm -hmm. Students, do your own work. Mm -hmm. Your parents are not here to write your college emails for you. They are not going to be there to write your college papers either. So start early if you're in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Get used to doing your own things. And that it can be as small as making your own bed, making your own breakfast, mm -hmm. getting yourself up. Those are the things that are going to make you different yes. from the other students who are in the world that you're going to live in as a student athlete. Mm -hmm. Carry your own bag. Oh my God, please carry your own bag. <laughs> if you play softball or you play like a sport that requires you to have a bag, it's your thing. Those are your things. So you and these are little things that little things will make right? a difference. Like, yes. You can be any age and you can carry your own bag. Yeah. You can carry your own water bottle. You can pack your own lunch. Um, and your parents are gonna be super stoked about it, let me tell you. <laughs> but <laughs> but learning learning how to do that on your own and do it without having to be told is again something that's gonna set you apart. So going back to recruiting um you're the one like you draft those emails and girl or boy if you're gonna draft those emails and copy paste to multiple sport to multiple coaches you better edit those things every single time mm -hmm. you do not send a coach if you're sending a, an email to deanna gump at notre dame you make sure that you change the email that says dear coach gump when you're sending it to the Ole Miss coach. Yeah, that makes a difference. Like, a huge difference. You will automatically probably cross off the list if you did that. If I get an email from a for, okay from a student now, and I, I can tell that it's copy pasted, and it doesn't have a name change, or even when you read the email and it says, you know, I would love to play for Irish softball, and you don't change that, but the name is different, mm. or but the name is correct, they will automatically write you off, right? I've done that before. I sent. A copy pasted email and I didn't edit in the body and I was freaking out so I sent a follow-up email I apologized I made sure that I was intentional and you best believe that I didn't make that mistake ever again so make sure you're editing your emails you're writing your own emails and you're doing your own stuff when you're at home and you're practicing and, and working out and doing the things you're doing for your sport um, so I was probably 14 or 15 when Notre Dame started looking at me at the time, I was also being looked at by Stanford, UCLA. Um, Cal Poly was in the mix for a while, and then it, they were not in the mix anymore. <laughs> um, and Northwestern was also looking at me. I had a couple of smaller institutions as well. Um, I never really had a dream school besides Cal Poly, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really get the time of day with them okay. because they didn't see me as like a competitive student athlete at that point. Okay. And so... Um, I kept working and again at this point like I said earlier I was playing for fun so I wasn't really paying attention to who was sitting in the stands when I was playing 
Um, it was just, you know, me and my teammates and me and the ball and me and whatever I was focusing on at the time, mm -hmm. which again, I think was the biggest gift that I could have received. Um, so after I took that trip, we, again, financially, you have to take unofficial trips and you pay for it yourself. Um, so there's no NCAA. official scholarships and there are no official visits in Salvo. There are. So, so if you take an unofficial visit, mm -hmm. it's, it's solely on the student athlete to pay for it. Right, right, right. If you take an official visit, those are what's better. Oh, what okay, okay. Sorry. So I might, I might have cut you off to, before you got there. Sorry. No, you're good. I also didn't clarify that that first visit was an unofficial visit. Okay. So I had been invited to campus as an unofficial recruit. And um, again, at that point, Notre Dame was really interested. Um, I remember specifically the game that uh, I was kind of just on fire that day. I think I hit like two home runs in a game. Mm. And um my my catching coach at the time or my catching coach my future catching coach Chris Ganiff um for Notre Dame she was at that game and got to see me play and she was like wow we got to get this girl and I also I also played for an organization that was really intrinsically tied with the college community so um my my club team was um helpful in that way where they came and watched the firecrackers play um, it wasn't necessarily always me or always someone else. It was like, oh, we're going to go watch the firecrackers because they typically have pretty, pretty great student athletes on their teams. So um, I had Notre Dame there mm -hmm. and uh, I got invited out for an unofficial visit. We went and saw Northwestern. We went and saw Notre Dame, which are about two hours apart because Northwestern's in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and again, California girl flying all the way to Chicago is kind of a big thing right mm -hmm. um but those are the only two visits that I took uh and you know Stanford was really high on my list but ironically enough my teammate in in high school Jessica Plaza um was ended up recruited there or ended up being recruited there as their catcher so I no longer was kind of on the table for that um which that's kind of how it goes you have you have people that are really interested in you and then they're not because they find someone else and you know, y'all, you're going to get lots of rejections and that's okay. Yeah. You're going to get lots of people saying we're going to go with someone else. Um, and honestly, I have to remind myself of that now as a professional looking mm. for jobs too. Like it's something that you are going to learn as a student athlete and take with you. I think that's something really unique and um, a grateful thing that I've taken with me as an athlete. Um, that failure piece and that willingness to move forward and, and push yourself and say okay I it wasn't gonna happen this time like it isn't it isn't the time um and I think that well, the sooner you learn that the better you'll be yes. so got the unofficial <clears throat> visit loved it was so just like it felt right my heart was just at peace I was like this is where I need to go it's magical like I want to be here mm -hmm. um I knew that I wanted to go somewhere else for college that is not the case for everybody um some people want to stay close to home mm -hmm. and that's totally normal totally okay um, you just have to be a little more intentional with who you're reaching out to and making sure that you're the person that they think of when they right. think of, you know, if you live in Huntsville and you want to go to TCU, you, you best be talking to, mm -hmm. let's say you play football, you best be talking to those GAs or those assistant coaches really early on because their main pull is from a lot of the areas in Texas. So how are you going to differentiate yourself from your friend that you probably go to high school with? Right. right. So like in my case, it was, my friend that I'd played on teams with my whole life and she ended up being the one that Stanford selected. And that's, you know, how, or how could I have maybe changed or affected that decision in the end? Um, but you know, everyone ends up where they need to be. So for right. me, I need to be at Notre Dame. I need, I was meant to be at Notre Dame. 
Um, I wanted to commit on my unofficial, but my mom was like, you know, take some time, think through it, mm -hmm. really make sure this is what you want. Cause it's four years that you're giving your, your life to, and it's South Bend, it's far away. It's, you know, obviously not California. So I took, I, I had already known that I was going to make decisions, but I took the three days and I remember I was talking to one of my coaches at the time and I was like, I think this is it, Jen. Like, this is mm -hmm. going to be, this is going to be my place. And she's like, I knew it. Let's call right now. <laughs> so I ended up calling my mom and I was like, I'm going to commit to Notre Dame. And she was ecstatic and uh, ended up calling my coach, Chris. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I would love to be a part of your program. And ended up verbally committing that day. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I think at that point I was a junior in high school. Okay. And then uh, started the process to get in academically. So Notre Dame has a standard that you have to get into the school um, regardless of who you are. So right. you have to be able to pass the tests. You have to be able to do the things you need to do to get into the school as, as you, not as a student athlete, but as you. Right. Um, and that's something that I valued as an institution because they value the academics. It's not just, you know, you could be the best player in the whole world and they still would make you get into the school yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's not the same. That's not the same everywhere. And honestly, yes, I got into the school, but again, I took that ACT and that SAT eight times. Mm -hmm. So um, they're also willing to kind of give you some more support since you are a student athlete. Like you're not just a name on a paper, right? Mm -hmm. Like a, you're not just submitting your application as a regular student and they're saying like, oh, Jeremiah Gaines. Okay. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what this person is, but this is what I can read about him. When you're a student athlete, you have a head coach saying, this is Casey Africano. She's the person that we want she's doing the work to get in right i'm going to keep putting her name into the like ring of people that they're accepting into the school so you kind of have that opportunity to have someone advocate for you which is really unique and really awesome um ended up getting my sat score got my letter of acceptance yeah. in the mail which is the best day ever like actually i had that framed on my wall for a long time i don't have it anymore um on my wall but it just it kind of was that culmination of those mm -hmm. eight standardized tests that I had to take um yeah and then you know four years and two years of grad school and here we are yeah for sure oh man yeah. that's great I know that you probably you cherish that um acceptance letter a lot because you put in like eight tests I only did one <laughs> so I can only imagine eight tests was like but, yeah but again to y'all who struggle in school don't let that defeat you like yeah. really don't it's it's really easy to feel defeated when your brain is not doing what you need it to do. But just like you practice your sport, your craft, you need to practice in school. And it takes a different portion of your mind, but it's no less important. And the better that you, the more that you practice your academic stuff, the better you'll get over time. Right. The faster you'll read, the faster you'll do your math, your math things, the faster you'll get a hang on the things that you need to get a hang on. So um, stretch those academic muscles and make sure you're taking care of those just as much as you're taking care of your physical muscles yeah. and you'll be set to go. And that's crazy you bring that up because I actually talk about that in the book. Um, so yes, that's a great, great point. Um, so at softball, I know not everyone gets a full ride. Were you able to receive a full ride scholarship in softball? Yeah, so I talked to, about this a little, er, little bit earlier. Um, but financially, our family just was not able to right. do the whole college thing. Mm -hmm. um, 
my plan if I hadn't played softball would have been going to community college, which is okay. Go to community college if that is the move for you. Not everybody is meant to go straight into a four-year university. Um, I honestly, like, I am such a big advocate of trade schools and of community colleges. Because, y'all, it's not, like, you don't have to follow the path that society lays for you. Like, you're going to get your degree eventually. If that's, again, in my opinion, I do think a degree is valuable and education is valuable. But that doesn't mean that um, you can't go to trade school. Like, that is still a degree. And it's honestly a specialized degree. And you'll probably be able to be more successful than right. that anyway. Right. No, um, yeah, but sure. again, I'm someone who is a full supporter of like doing, taking the academic steps that make the most sense for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's a conversation that you as students can have with your families. And if you really do struggle in school and you don't feel like a four-year institution is going to be the move for you right away, talk about that, explore that, look into that. We have Orange Coast College is one of the biggest community colleges in, in honestly, the United States and we're lucky enough to have it in our own backyard and um it was the best thing for my brother ended up going to the community college and it's sure. the best thing that you could do for yourself because you kind of just give your mind some extra time to practice and transition from high school to college so that was a little side note I'm gonna move on from that um what was the question again Jeremiah? so do, no it's okay I was just asking about the full ride scholarships and, full ride scholarships yeah, yeah. yes okay sorry i you're good. Financially, <laughs> financially, it was not a thing that our family was right. able to really do. And so um, I realized, I was like, oh, I can do something with the sport. I didn't know that I could do that. And again, that was probably like freshman year of, of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't do as much research into institutions. I just kind of, again, I'm a gut feeling person. So when I did those visits, it really made sense for me. I knew that the values were really important to me. Um, no offense to the people who go to Alabama, but like, and Alabama wasn't going to be a place that I was going to really make sense with. I needed someone who was going to be intentional with developing me as a person. And I wanted those resources for me. Um, So when I was getting these offers and these, again, you can't truly make a a formal offer. It could be a suggestion. Um, Like we could potentially, like we might be able to get you a full ride, like, or we might be able to offer you this much. Um, so they tend they tend to not do that until you're like re- they're ready to make a, f- a formal offer. Um, so for me, I was looking for an opportunity to have a full ride scholarship. Um, so when the time came and Notre Dame did make that full ride offer, um, I was like ecstatic because I had already been to the institution. I was hoping that there was something that they could do in that way. Um, but again, having those conversations ahead of time and mm-hmm. students, if you're gonna be looking at colleges financial conversations need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you and your family know that a Notre Dame is not going to be financially feasible for you, what are you doing to place yourself in the best light and in the best, um, like position yourself in the best way to have communication with that university of saying like, look, I'm like, I want to, I need to, I need a full ride. This is something that's important to me. Um, so yes, I was lucky enough to have a full ride scholarship, but again, it was, not without a lot of work and a lot of effort. Um, I think some people just assume you're given a scholarship just because of your yeah. you. Um, but for me, I still had to do the work. I still had to work my butt off in high school. I still had to get the grades. I still had to do the things that are expected of you as a student athlete and especially an elite student athlete. Um, some schools 
are this, the scholarship system is really intricate and each one is different. So there are some universities that say we can give you 50% this year and then potential for hundred percent next year, or we'll give you 50% this year where we're going to renegotiate your next year to be 75. Um, so it just depends on what you feel is best for you. Um, and you know, that's also to say D1 and D2 and D3 schools are, are great options. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to a power five division one giant ESPN coverage school. Right. You're there to get your education. And if you want to be at that D1 school, then you have to be ready to do the work that gets you to that D1 school. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to be, if you're, Again, not to say you have to be okay with, but D2 and D3 schools still offer awesome educations. And honestly, from the people that I've spoken with who are part of D3 and D, um, D2 and D3 institutions, say that they had a better experience because their focus was more balanced. It's mm -hmm. not so much, it's not so heavy on their student athlete experience. It's more so on, okay, how, how else am I participating in my college experience? Um, and I think that's a really awesome opportunity that a lot of people miss. The, the title, of your institution and the name of your institution is important if that's important to you, right? Mm -hmm. To me, I, I did want to be at, at a really competitive high level institution, um, but that was just me and I was able to get to that point. If you feel um, like you'd want a more balanced student athlete experience, look at D2 and D3s, they're awesome options. Um, and it doesn't belittle or or take value away from your education in any right. way. And that's, again, that's my opinion. Um, I just, it, it makes me sad when people feel like they have to get into the Notre Dame or the Stanford or the um, USC in order to be successful. There are lots of institutions across the country who are offering great educational experience, experiences and great um, student athlete experiences. It just sure. requires a little bit of soul searching to figure out what you want out of your experience. So that, again, doing that earlier rather than later and knowing what you're willing to negotiate on, negotiate on and not negotiate on is, is super important. You want to look for what you want in a college for sure. Yeah. You just enlightened me on a lot of things too, because football and I believe men's basketball are the only two sports that actually offer division one football, men's basketball and football only offer four rides. Everything else is negotiable. So I'm glad that you enlightened me and the yeah. audience about that as well. I mean, a lot of – it also depends on the sport. So for us, for women, a lot of our sports are non -re -re not revenue-generating. Mm -hmm. So there's not as many options for coaches to offer full rides to people. Um, it really just depends on what they're able to do with the finances that they're given. I think it's an interesting time to have this conversation because COVID has caused right. so much change. Um so if we were talking pre-COVID, it was already pretty difficult for a lot of women's sports to have enough for their student-athletes. Mm -hmm. um, I At TCU, I have some student-athletes who are on 25% scholarships. I have some student-athletes who are on 75 or the university just covers their books and their something, like insert whatever, or they just cover housing or they just cover um, their tuition. Um, so it kind of just depends on where you're going and what they're willing to offer. But if we're going to stay on the topic of scholarships, Google scholarships that are available because 
places and people and organizations have money that they want to give to students. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I actually talked to a lot of my student athletes of color about these because there are so many, there are so many scholarships available for like women in STEM or um, black student athletes in higher education. Like there are organizations that want to support students in their college endeavors. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a high school thing as well. Like you can still earn scholarships. You can apply for scholarships in high school that are gonna apply in your college right. time. Um, and that's not just at the college itself, right? One of the biggest things that I do in my job is do FAFSA, um, the financial aid stuff for, mm -hmm. for the country basically. Right. Um, so understanding that there are systems in place that can support you, but you have to look for it. It's not just going to show up on your doorstep. You have to fill out the forms. You have to write the essays. You have to make sure that you're doing the work. But I'm telling you, there are so many scholarships that are available to support and kind of, you know, piece together a supplementary financial foundation for you to move forward. It doesn't have to be a full ride scholarship from your dream institution. If that happens, God bless. Thank you for that. Like so excited. Um, but that's not the same. That's not the case for everyone. So I, and this kind of relates back to my point of advocating for yourself. You also have to do the work for yourself. Um, building those relationships with people who are able to give you financial assistance and financial support um, takes effort and takes work. So it's just a matter of finding the right people and finding the right place and having those conversations. Um, but again, students, that's for you to do and not for your parents to do. That's something that's gonna be really important for your growth and honestly you're gonna benefit so much from it because um, a lot of those essays are gonna ask you know who are you what's your biggest experience what's your biggest challenge um, what's impacted you the most your parents are not gonna have those answers exactly. you are so exactly. um, and you know that doesn't mean that if you struggle you have to do it all on your own like definitely ask your parents to be like hey can you edit this for me or hey what's a better way to phrase this um, but the more that you practice that yourself, the better you're going to be by the time you get into college. Love it. I love it. Um, scholarships are big and people just think that they only come from the, from the institution, but don't know that there's other outside organizations. Um, for sure. so, so for you personally, when you made your transition to Notre Dame, what surprised you the most about the transition as a whole? Mm. Change is hard for anyone, right? right. <laughs> um, I think that being far away from family was hard. Um, I was okay being by myself, but I think the thought of having to get on a five-hour plane ride to go see my family was a little bit daunting. Okay. Um, I actually started school as a pre-med major. Interesting. Okay. So yes, yeah, so I was I was going to be a doc, like I was going to be a doctor, I was going to be a PA, I was going to be in medicine, um, and. That was not the move for me. I, I struggled the whole, my whole freshman year. It was miserable. And y'all, when I say miserable, I mean like depression, like serious depression. Um, and that again goes back to how education can make you feel like you're the dumbest person on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't enjoy what I was studying. I thought I wanted to help people. Um, actually, we're going to rewind a little bit. Okay. We're going to rewind a little bit. My senior year of, of high school, I had a mentor who had given me this little booklet and it was called, the, it was a purpose booklet. And I was like, mm, okay, I'll try this thing. Sure. So 
the booklet kind of takes you through a bunch of questions. What do you want to do with your life? What's the most important thing in your life? What are the things that bring you joy? What are the things that um, you want for your life in the future? So it works you through all these questions. So at the end of this booklet, it asks you like, what are the commonalities between all your answers? So for me, I wanted to serve people. I wanted to help people. I wanted to take care of people. Mm -hmm. So I had the conversation with my mentor. I was like, I finished the booklet and he goes, okay, tell me what your last answer was. And I told him and he goes, congratulations. You are a part of the 1% who knows their purpose on this planet. And I was like, hmm what That's interesting. <laughs> he's like yeah i was like i was like there's no way right. he's like as long as you focus on jobs and careers and classes that stay within this purpose and this mission rather than a title or an industry or a whatever you're going to be so much happier in your life that's a nugget and i was like that's a nugget okay <laughs> i was like there's no way this is true so i was like i'm gonna be a doctor i'm ready for this like this is gonna be great Y'all, my brain is not set up for certain subjects in medicine. I am not a chemistry person, okay? I can do bio. I'm really interested in biology. Interested and good at are two very different things. They are. <laughs> oh, man. So for me, I struggled so hard in my science classes. I was just not doing well. And when you're constantly failing test after test, it's, it wears on you. So I, I remember sitting fast forward a year, miserable, whole, the whole year, just so unhappy. Softball was hard. Personal life was hard. Everything just sucked. So I'm talking to, I'm in tears for the 5,000th time. I'm calling my dad and I'm like, dad, I can't do this. Like, I don't want, this sucks. I'm so unhappy. And he's like, well, who told you that you have to be a doctor? And I was like, uh, well, no one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so change, do, do a different major. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm quitting. He's like, again, who told you that you were quitting? So we have these voices from society mm -hmm. that kind of permeate our thought process and prevent us from choosing what our truest and most beautiful life needs to look like. Mm -hmm. So I ended up being, I kind of thought on that for a while. And I was like, who told me that I needed to do this? Who told me that I needed to fulfill, check this box or do this thing. Again, the answer was no one. So I was like, you know what? I'm done. I am tapping out. And as student athletes, you have to be able to un, like, unhook that feeling of I'm quitting. Cause that was my big thing. I was like, I, I don't like this feeling. I don't like feeling like I'm giving up on something, but by choosing yourself, you're doing the best thing that you can do. Like, just because you choose yourself does not mean you give up on something else or give up on someone else. Um, and again, going back to kind of the theme of what I've been talking about of just like advocating for you and focusing on what you need. If chemistry and science is not what you need, be done. Mm -hmm. Like choose yourself in that moment. So I chose myself. I called my, my academic advisor and I go, Amanda, I need to get out of this. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I need, I'm, I don't want to be in pre-med anymore. She's like, thank God. Because, <laughs> I mean, think about being a mentor of someone right. that you care about and watching them get D, F, F, D, C. Okay, we're getting better. Oh, back to F. Like, it was so exhausting for her to watch me walk this path that was constantly just, like, 
not the move. Like you are just, you're struggling, you're running into wall after wall. Um, so I ended up in this class called the minority experience in American education and it changed everything. It changed everything. Um, my, I had a compilation of teachers that saw something in me that was very people focused. So I went back to that purpose, like that purpose little booklet. And I was like, okay, what areas of work, what areas of school can I be in? that allow me to care for people, to learn about people, to explore more about what it means to be human. And so my, my professor who taught the minority experience in American education class, she was like, you should look into sociology. And I was like, what about psychology? Like that makes more sense, right? And she goes, no, you, from what I know about you, and so I still have this mentor. She's like one of my favorite people in my life. She goes, um, you are a big picture person you like studying people's experiences and people's stories mm -hmm. and sociology is going to offer that to you. So I was like, all right, let's try it. So I, it was literally the perfect fit for me. It was like, I was trying to make a puzzle piece fit in my heart with science and with medicine that just wasn't working. And sociology just goes, life changed. Right. Man, um, that's so good. Yeah. And it just, again, from there I was, it's amazing what happens when you're doing things that you love. Like when you're doing schoolwork that matters to you. So yes, I had to get through my prerequisites of my math and my stats and the things that I'm not super interested in, but I took roots of human trafficking. I took theology of nature. I took, um, I don't know, just a million different like classes that related to things that I was obsessed with. Like I just felt so excited to, do the, do the things that I was doing and reading the things that I was reading and learning the things that I was learning. Um, cause learning should be fun. And if it's not fun, then you're not doing it right. So like right. no matter what the world is saying to you as a student, find what's going to bring you joy because your sport is already hard enough. There's already enough pressure on you. So find something that's going to be your thing, your niche and start with a purpose, not with a plan. Does that make sense? Like yes, yes. start with what yes. start with what you feel in your heart is going to be your role on this planet and go forward with that. Go forward with those decisions that relate to that purpose. Um, if you want to be a CEO of a business one day and that's what brings you joy, then that's awesome. But choose classes and choose steps that are going to get you to a point following the path that is going to bring that purpose about not necessarily the title about because when you follow your purpose the title will come um it's gonna it's gonna follow you as long as you're following that purpose so that was kind of what I found out which again led me to where I am now um I was very long-winded and again I'm so sorry I'm just long-winded but oh, I'm gonna leave it at that you're, no you're doing so, <laughs> it's, it's such good content because although you're playing you're on a four-round scholarship to Notre Dame but you're focus is not primarily on you being an athlete and so oh, heck no. you were able to play 139 games through four years because i think sometimes in student athletes minds you have to and coaches actually sometimes ingrain this into you that you need to be focused on football and that's it they say that you're a student athlete but a lot of coaches are just right. saying that but you had right. a focus of yes, I'm an athlete. I play at a very high level, but I'm also going to do these other things as well. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna also inject myself here because yes, I played 139 game, 39 games, but we play 60 games in a season. So there were 
240 games total that I could have played, right? Let's say that. It's okay. an average. So to those of you who are listening who are not playing those, let's see if it's two four, like 100 extra games, your purpose is no less valuable. Mm-hmm. I honestly found more purpose in who I was and I don't want to say bench player because that is not the term. Like you, you, if you are not playing, you're still, your role is still valuable. Your role is still essential to the team's function. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Because you know who was there two hours early? Me. You know who was catching the pitchers when everyone else was gone? Me. You know who was warming pitchers up during the game? Me. So, Yes, it was difficult to not play those extra games. I didn't start every game that I played in Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That's just that just is what it is, um, because you get to an elite level and everyone's elite. Everybody, you're no different. Right. Yes, I might have made varsity my freshman year of high school, but now I'm at a point where everyone made varsity at their mm-hmm. their freshman year of high school. So like, you are unique in the way that you accept the role that you've been given. That does not mean that you compete any less. That does not mean that you work any less hard. It just means that you have to learn to assume a role that you might not want, right? Like, of course I wanted to start every game. I wasn't planning to be the person on the bench every game. Absolutely not. Which is why I was the person always on. I was always there early. I was always doing extra work. I was always staying late. Um, So just to add in, yes, I I was a player. Yes, I was a student athlete. No, that was not my primary function and my primary identity, but I also learned how to accept the role that I was given on a team. And in order to, for the team to function, I needed to be okay with that role. It wasn't always going to be perfect. It wasn't always going to be the perfect fit. And that's not how it's going to be on any team in any right. sport. You're not going to, you might not play every single game and it might be your choice. And it might not like you might get injured. You might, um, you know, you might have a freshman come in after you and all of a sudden be this perfect star player. And you know what? That that freshman is going to look at you and say, okay, how is how is Casey reacting? Like, how what is she doing? Like, is she mad at me? Um, and maybe that's just like, maybe that just was my mentality. But I made it a point to say, okay, you know what? If I'm going to be on the bench, I'm going to be the loudest cheerer that I can possibly be. If I'm going to be in the bullpen, I'm going to be the most encouraging person and making sure that pitcher is as, as ready as they could possibly be before they go into the game. Um, and I took that mentality into my personal life as well. Like I am going to be someone who is there for my fellow teammates. I'm going to show up to other games. If I have some time, I'm going to <coughs> go to FCA. I'm going to give myself a life outside of my softball life. Like to me, that was so important. And that also includes who you surround yourself with. Who are your friends? Are they all other athletes or are they other people like in your classes? Are they people you talk with in your dorm? Um, and that's for middle school. That's for high school. That's for college. Like that's just humans. Who are you surrounding yourself with and who are you um, allowing onto your Island with you? Yeah. It's really important to make sure that you're intentionally selecting those people in your life um, that are going to make you better and that are going to improve you. And I did my very best to make sure that I was that person to others as well. Um, making sure that I was pushing people, making sure that I was the one who was encouraging and, and supportive and um, competitive as well. Like you want to compete. Of course yeah. you do. You want to win. Of course you do. Um, but you're not going to be able to do that. Unless you invest your time in other people. And 
for me, that was, that was my saving grace. If my purpose is to serve and to give, and I could do that both on the field and off the field, and that's what I was going to do. Man, that was, that, you actually just answered my next question. So oh. that, that is so good, so good. <laughs> so our last segment today, I, we want to get into a little bit of what you've done post-bachelor's um, degree. So you mm -hmm. came to SMU uh, to get Did? a master's degree. Uh, what made you yeah. actually want to get your master's degree? Oh, okay. This is a great story. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is for all the people who don't know what they want to do with their life. Okay. Okay. Um, I was a senior in college. All of my classmates who were also graduating on the team were business majors. I was the only non-business major. So they all had plans to apply to these, you know, banks or these business organizations that were gigantic and awesome. Um, and I was like, hmm, what do I want to do with my life? This is a very large question. So I started talking to people and um, it's ironic because I ran away from education. Both my parents were teachers. And I was like, I'm not gonna be a teacher. I don't wanna be a teacher. I don't wanna be in education. I can't do this. I don't wanna be, I, please don't let me be in education. LOL, I'm in education. Mm -hmm. um, so I was talking to some of my mentors, again, for you students who are going into college, talk to the people who know you talk to the people who advocate for you mm -hmm. talk to the people who see something in you that you don't see um so I, I was talking to a bunch of my professors and they were like have you ever thought about uh being in like higher education i was like no why would i do that at the time i was organizing all of our community service for our student athletes at, at um, notre dame so one of my professors was like you know you can do this full time like oh that sounds fun I like that yeah. I love sports I loved the idea of being able to be in sports so um I started looking into actually no I didn't really look at anything I one of the professors was like I'm going to connect you with um Kirsten Ferguson who's the director of um a higher ed program in Dallas and I was like Dallas okay sure let's try so we schedule a 20 minute phone call now Jeremiah since you know Dr. Ferguson you know that that 20 minutes was not 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, no. 45. No. So what, what was supposed to be a 20-minute conversation became probably about an hour, an hour and a half conversation. Yes. Um, and she was just, she understood my brain as it was. And I didn't feel like I had to try. You know, there are those things that come effortlessly to you. Um, and those conversations that make sense in your heart. And that was one of those conversations. And so the more that I talked to her, the more that I was like, I, I can do this. This sounds fun. I think, I, I think this is the place to go. So I, um, this is also financially, I was like, I have no money. I was a student athlete. I wasn't, this is before student athletes could have jobs outside of their sport. Right. Um, so I had, I was like, I have no money. Like, ooh, let me see if there's scholarships available for high, for like grad school. Um, Cause I knew that grad school might like, might be the next step either way. I just didn't know how it was going to look in my, in my world. And so I had talked to her more and I, she had said, I had talked a little bit with my professor about, you know, I needing a scholarship and wanting that. And she had connected me to a bunch, a bunch of different people at SMU that kind of created this opportunity for me to be able to take this, this chance and take this opportunity to move to Dallas. Again, California girl living in the Midwest. Let's go down to Texas. Sure. Um, so I kind of moved there on like a leap of faith, thinking that this was going to be my, my thing. Um, 
you know, got through grad school and uh, I studied similar to you, Jeremiah, like studied athletics. Like we had the flexibility to study whatever we wanted. So a couple of us, you know, some people really like Greek life. So they focused on Greek life. Some people really liked um, the non-traditional students. So they focused on moms or they focused on um, vets coming back to campus. So we all got to kind of find our own niche, which I think, again, to those of you who are moving into college and who are looking into grad school, I think a lot of you are too young for that. But nevertheless, I'll just say a little tidbit about it. Do research on what you want after, right? So who is going to give you the space to grow and to learn uh, about who you are versus who they need you to be when you're done? Um, And that's grad school in general. Like, you and I were really lucky to be in a program where we could study whatever we wanted. There are lots of programs that say, nope, you're going to focus on this, this, and this, and there's no leeway behind it. Like you have no flexibility in that focus. Um, So do your research on what the program Mm -hmm. means to you. And that means having conversations, not just looking at things that are posted on a website. Mm -hmm. That's really important as well. And again, it goes back to kind of who I am as a person. I just like to talk to a human human to human contact is way better than like trying to learn information based on a web page. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I identified SMU. Yay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually didn't know that story myself. So, okay. We're Next actually have very, we have very similar stories. I mean, it was a leap of faith because I did my undergrad here, but going into my. But still a decision that was not originally on your. Oh no. Your I radar. Didn't want, I didn't want to be an education. My dad's been in education for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. Now it's mm-hmm. like very, very similar. In the spring of my senior year, talked to Dr. Ferguson. I was sold. Yep. I was sold. She's a very convincing person. Very convincing. Like the nicest person that you'll so ever nice. meet. Um, so yeah, she, she's amazing. Tell me uh, from your internship at TCU and Student Athlete Development, what are some things that kind of surprised you or like were aha moments that you went there as a student <clears> athlete, but since you're so close to it, you couldn't really like adjust or change. But when you started somebody else, you were like, mm-hmm. man, if I knew that when I was a student athlete, I would have been so much further along. Yeah. Um, so, so I ended up at TCU. My, so my current, well, I guess she's now my previous boss because I'm in the middle of a job change right now. But she had said, you know, networking is not about who you know, it's about who knows you and who likes you. So actually Dr. Toll at SMU, mm-hmm. who's married to Dr. Kathy Cavins Toll at TCU, who is the Vice Chancellor of Student Affairs, um, ended up calling Jessica, who is my super was my supervisor previously, and saying, You're getting an intern. That was all she said. <laughs> I didn't know this had happened. Right. So <laughs> I was just, I got there and I didn't learn the story until probably a year or two later. And she was like, yeah, I just got a call saying that you were coming and I didn't really have a choice in the matter. Luckily it worked out. I was like, okay, (laughs) good. (laughs) Um, So I think what I was most surprised about, um, for me specifically, it's way harder to relate to someone who doesn't know you and I mean I mean this in the way that you have to be very genuine and authentic in your interactions because people can people can tell when you're not being real with them or you're not being genuine with them and so I think that from the very start I made sure that I was 
very open with my student athletes of saying, this is who I am. This is what I mean. These are the expectations that I have. And this is what I plan to do with those expectations or I plan to do with those things with you guys as we move forward. Um, but also you're working with students who you're not that much older than, right? So I was at the time 23, 23, 23. Um, and they're coming in, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21. So they're looking at me like, you're one of us. So right. why are you trying to get me to do something that you want me, like something that, why should I listen to you basically? Um, so trying to let them know like, hey, I have been in your shoes. I know exactly the path that you've walked. Um, I think as a, as a woman, it was a little harder with my male student athletes because they saw me and they were like, she doesn't get it. Like mm -hmm. she doesn't know what we go through. Um, and yes, the football experience or the basketball or the baseball experience might be a little bit different than what we go through as a softball player or, you know, just as a woman in general, um, no less challenging, but definitely different. And I've had my fair share of conversations with football players from Notre Dame and they'd be like, they'd say some comment and I'd have to bounce back with some other comment. Anyway, right. <laughs> not, important. not important, not the point. Um, but I think I was surprised with how difficult it was to find that balance between being someone who they can trust and being a friend. Right, because I'm not there to be their friend. I'm there to be that person that they trust and that person that they can rely on. Um, and you can do you can do it. You can be the the authority figure in a friendly way. Yep. Um, you can build relationships where someone trusts you without letting go of your standards and letting go of your accountability. Um, so I had to take some time to learn that it's a balancing act of, hey, so and so, you are not doing the work that you need to do that's not acceptable. And it's really hard to move past this feeling like you're being the bad guy, um, especially when you're so young. So like, why should they listen to you if you look exactly like them? Mm -hmm. um, so being able to find that balance, I think was really challenging for me. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm still learning it. I'm four years in now and I'm better at it. And I think with my student athletes at TCU, I had laid some foundations of this is what I expect. And I'm not going to budge on it. So for example, like working with financial aid, if you come into my office <laughs> and you ask me where your financial aid money is mm -hmm. and you haven't filled out FAFSA, mm. you're going right out the door. Um, so there needs to be some accountability with stuff like that. And I think the sooner that you guys as student athletes, for y'all who are listening, the sooner that you can learn accountability for your own behavior and your own actions, the better off you're going to be. And honestly, the more support people are going to be willing to give you. Um, for my students who do all the things they need to do and they check the boxes they need to check, come to me. I will help you walk through the questions that you have. But if you come to me and you say, where's my money? And you haven't done any of the work, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you and you will leave not having any help. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that I'm going to just turn you away and say you're on your own. Like, all right, you want to do FAFSA? Sure. Here's a link. Mm -hmm. Go find it. Go figure it out. Um, oh, you don't know what the I, the W40 form is? Great. Here's what it is. I'll help you in that way. But you have to put the, you also have to put your best foot forward. And if you're not, that's where I kind of draw my line. Mm -hmm. And um, I think figuring out that line was the hardest thing for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I definitely understand what you mean by finding that uh, fine line because the last year, I don't know if you knew this, the last <laughs> year I actually spent um, teaching here on campus at SMU. 
And so I think we talked about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. be, being 24 in a room full of <laughs> 18 to 22, 23 year olds, it's not mm-hmm. always, um, they don't always look at you as someone that they should glean from. It takes time. It yeah. really does. It takes time and it takes vulnerability on the side of the professional. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, parents can learn from that as well. It's just, you have to be willing to say, um, this is my experience. This is my story. You can take it or leave it. But I also have these expectations of you. Um, and I would hope that you would have expectations of me. I think for my student athletes, um, I want to know what they want from me. I want to know what they need from me. I'm not just going to assume that my way is the best way. Um, because more often than not, it is, it is not the best way. It's not the best, um, like approach to take. So, um, I want to make sure that when I have conversations with my student athletes that I'm being vulnerable, but I'm also being, um, a question asker. I'm someone who's listening. I'm someone who's making sure that what I'm offering is something that's actually going to be received and received well versus what I think is the best approach and is going to be rejected in a heart, like in a minute, you know? Um, so I think that's really important moving forward as professional or moving forward in, um, your role as a student as well. So like being a good listener and making sure that you're asking questions and not just giving your own opinion. Yeah. Well, Casey, I think that you have enlightened a lot of our uh, middle school (laughs) and high school student athletes. Um, In closing, I'd like to ask this question as like a final, um, like your final insight to our student athletes. So can you give me three to five things that you wish every student athlete would understand um, to help them experience success um, in college and in life? Whew, okay. Um, number one, you matter. And that's just like, to me, you, that is, that means that you are valuable. That means that you have skills that make you unique. You have personalities that make you unique. You are someone who exists on this planet for a reason. Yeah. Um, and you matter to me is something that kind of goes along hand in hand with that advocacy side of things. So if you are constantly telling yourself that you matter, you're able to then tell someone else that you matter. Mm. Um, For me, I don't think I advocated enough for myself physically. So I now, I've had four surgeries on my shoulder uh, or three surgeries on my shoulder and one on my hip, but I didn't speak up enough in college and say, I'm in pain, like I am hurting. I need this, this, and this. And you might not know what you need, but you need to have someone in your life who's going to be able to say, okay, your shoulder hurts. Here's what we can do. Bing, 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 bing. Um, but I think just you matter is this kind of umbrella, umbrella mentality that allows you to protect yourself and to give yourself the best shot of being successful, of being healthy, of being um, within that growth mindset, because if you're constantly focusing on what is going to make you the best person you can be and the best athlete you can be and the best college student you can be and high school student you can be, um, it kind of centralizes around this idea of of value and validity in what you're feeling and experiencing. So I think for me, looking back, I wish I had told myself that I mattered more. Um, So that's the first thing. Second thing, kind of already talked about it, but do your work, like do your own work. Um, And that's with school, that's with making your lunch, that's with waking yourself up, that's with sending your emails. Um, 
yes, ask questions. Yes, rely on others for help and support, but do the work first. If you have exhausted all other options, then you can go ask for help or then you can go ask for um, someone to do things for you. Mm -hmm. I remember this one moment and it again changed it made a huge difference for me. I was, it was probably 1130 at night and I was not a very fast typer, but I had already written out an essay in high school. Like I had written out my essay. I was just like typing it on the computer and my mom walks in. She goes, why are you still awake? I'm like, I need my computer. I'm type typing. And she goes, do you need help? And I was like, yes, I just started crying. So she ended up typing it for me. She's like, I'm not going to change a single word that you wrote, but I'm just going to give you some like support so that I could right. go to bed. Yeah. Um, but if I didn't have someone watching out for me that way, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have, like, I would have been up until 1am trying to type this essay. <laughs> um, so making sure, I guess that kind of leads into my next thing of like making sure that you have people in your corner. Um, yes, you matter, but your community also matters. The people who are in your life matter. Um, so set yourself up for the best opportunity to have the best people in your world and in your corner. And that takes some, like, confidence and some willingness to be mm -hmm. vulnerable um it's a lot it's a lot of um it can be nerve-wracking for you to go up to a professor or a teacher and say i need help or hey um you know i had a really long tournament this weekend is there any possibility that i could get some flexibility on, on this assignment or would you be willing to walk through this assignment with me um prior to me turning it in so build those relationships out um, I think when you are starting those conversations, you need to exude confidence and you need to exude respect. Mm -hmm. Firm handshake. Shake someone's hand like you mean it. No limp hands. <laughs> no claws. Right. Like, if someone is shaking your hand, you look them in the eye. You say, my name is Casey Africano. It's great to meet you, sir. Great to meet you, ma'am. Give them a good handshake. I guarantee that person is going to remember you 10 times more mm -hmm. than someone who goes, hey, what's up? Yeah. Um, so build your, you matter. I don't even remember what the second thing was, but build your community. Um, for this particular generation, your social media is mm. so critical. Right. And I didn't want to really talk about that on this because I could go on and on and on, but just know you live in a different world than Jeremiah and I lived in. Yep. Social media was just starting in, in college for us. So we didn't have those things to really um, hinder us if we're, if something were to be found online. Y'all do. You guys all have your TikToks and your Instagram and your Snapchat. That stuff is not temporary. It is permanent. Someone will find it and someone will use it against you. And that's not to say that you guys are bad people or doing bad things, but just know that those things are looked at by colleges and college coaches in particular. Right. The first thing that I usually do if I have someone who's looking into, you know, applying to a job or a student who might be having some trouble, I look at their social media. So um, make sure that your social media is clean, make sure that it's um, professional, and it doesn't mean that you can't have fun, but definitely thinking through what you're posting and what you're saying and what someone else could possibly interpret from that caption or that picture or that whatever. Um, so making sure that your social media is on point. Um, I think those are like the biggest things. Right. I wish that I had um, been more confident in myself. And I think that kind of wraps up all of the things that I talked about. You need that community, but you also need to believe in who you are and trust that who you are is enough. Um, 
regardless of what society says about you. And that relates to academics, that relates to your personal life, that relates to um, colleges. If someone's, you know, telling you you're not good enough, that's not something that you need in your, in your circle and on your island. Like that just automatically gets a, a swoosh, a pass. <laughs> um, so making sure that you're focusing on what is the best version of yourself that you can be and how are you going to get there and who's going to help you get there. Um, and trust that because you're going to get into college and someone's going to tell you, multiple people are going to tell you that you're this or you're that, or you should be this or you should be that. Oh, that should be the fifth thing. Okay. Oh, this is good. I'm going to be done after this. Eliminate should from your vocabulary. Just take it on out okay. because should suggests comparison. And there's a difference mm. between comparison and competition. I think if you're comparing yourself, you automatically have this sense of jealousy or lack of based on someone else's life. Mm -hmm. And I think that relates to your social media as well. So like if you see someone who's on vacation in the Bahamas, like, and you all of, a, all of a sudden are like, well, I'm not on vacation in the Bahamas. Like you automatically have this negative concept towards that person and towards that person's experience. Um, or like, I should be able, like, I should be doing this. I should be, um, feeling a certain way I should be working harder I should be um eating better y'all give yourself some grace you're learning you're growing and should is not something that you feel that you should you should live your life by <laughs> <laughs> um but it's just it'll help you so much when you're not comparing yourself to others every second of every day um, when I was going through dep like my depression I was saying I should feel better I should be happy I get to go to Notre Dame I should be doing better in my classes. I am smart. I should be um, happier in my relationship. Who says? I should be succeeding in pre-med. No one said that. No one told me I have to be a doctor. So just eliminate should from your vocabulary. It should all, it, <coughs> there are alternatives to a comparative lifestyle. Um, and that, again, would have made all the difference in the world for me if I didn't say should. So that's what I'm going to leave with. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much, Casey, for being with us today. You've given us some insight um, because you've not only been a student athlete, but you've studied student athletes. So I really think that you did a great job and you'll help a lot of <laughs> our students. Yes. I had a great host, so you know. Oh. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but it's thank true. You. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Casey. Um, all right, everyone. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>